Hey everybody, welcome back to the Vegas Tips and Tricks Podcast. It's a Monday, November the 29th, 2021. We are going to continue our series today that I'm calling Vegas Memories. appreciate all the folks who uh, provided some positive feedback on last week's show. We talked about my very first trip to Las Vegas and the unusual circumstances that led to it. I was going back in April of uh, 1996, so today we're going to flash forward uh, just over a year later. Uh, there were two things that I decided uh, after that first trip. One was that I wanted to go back because there were a lot of things that I had missed out on. And the second was that I wanted to spend more time downtown, preferably stay downtown, which I normally wouldn't recommend to someone on a first or second trip, but uh, I've always been a bit of a contrarian, and uh, I thought to myself, well, if everybody else is going to be interested in uh, being on the strip, I'm going to be interested in staying downtown. And uh, so that's actually what I did on uh, my second trip, which took place, uh, let me check the ledger here. Between May 18th and May 23rd of 1997, and that trip uh, had a uh, interesting twist to it. The uh, first unusual thing about this trip, and probably the most unusual thing about this trip, was the fact that. Uh, I managed to get to Las Vegas using Amtrak. Yes, it's America's passenger rail system, or what passes for it. And uh, the curious thing about it, and uh, any historian of passenger rail in the United States could tell you that, is there were no trains to Las Vegas in the uh, spring of 1997, and there still isn't passenger rail to Las Vegas here in the uh, fall of 2021, though there continue to be proposals for high-speed uh, connections between uh, generally Southern California, the Los Angeles area, and Las Vegas. I, I don't know how many of those proposals I've heard in recent years, uh, but they, they continue to be out there, and uh, perhaps one day that will happen. Um, Amtrak did have service to Las Vegas for a number of years. I believe it was called the Desert Wind was the name of the train or something to that effect. And it ran from Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, down through, obviously, uh, the southwest part of Utah and uh, into uh, Nevada. Uh, passing through Las Vegas on its way to Los Angeles. Well, apparently it wasn't a terribly profitable long-distance train, as they call it. Um, and most of them probably aren't profitable. But uh, that's, that's another whole story. And so it was discontinued sometime in the mid-1990s. And Amtrak had uh, discontinued a number of its long-distance uh, rail connections, or at least a few. I, 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 I at one time, um, was much more in tune with uh, uh, train travel in the United States and uh, 
read a number of books on it, but uh, I couldn't tell you for sure off the top of my head. But uh, when a number of these routes were discontinued, uh, they adopted what's called sort of an intermodal model of transportation and provided in many cases uh, a uh, what they called a throughway bus service to some of the destinations which were no longer served by a train and that included Las Vegas um, so my trip to Las Vegas uh, uh, involved me taking a train for mm, probably just over a day or so uh, maybe 30 hours or so to get to Los Angeles where if uh, you remember last week's podcast, I had traveled a couple of years earlier on a circuitous route of the western United States. And then from Los Angeles, I had to take a bus the rest of the way to Las Vegas. And it wasn't even that simple. Um, there was a bus that uh, went from directly from uh, Los Angeles to Las Vegas. But I For whatever reason, I wasn't able to get on that bus, but I was able to get on an alternate series of buses. Yeah, I told you this was a bit strange. Uh, One of which uh, traveled to Bakersfield, California, which is a little bit out of the way, you might say. Um, It was meant to connect to a Caltrans train, which ran down the Central Valley of uh, California and not really connect to Las Vegas. But then in addition from Bakersfield, a couple hours after I arrived, there was a bus that took you from Bakersfield to Las Vegas, uh, which, of course, in this case, was meant to connect that Caltrans um, train to Las Vegas. Um, So I'm pretty sure I'm one of the few people that's ever taken such a ridiculous route to uh, <laughs> to get to Las Vegas, but I did. I learned uh, that uh, Bakersfield is a godforsaken sort of place, uh, but I did eventually find a McDonald's there to eat at, um, and I eventually made it onto the bus that would uh, take me uh, uh, back to the main freeway that runs through Baker and Barstow and Prim and Jean and all those places. Um, and I got to travel into Las Vegas on a Sunday evening and got to observe the traffic, which we saw again this past holiday weekend, of people leaving Las Vegas and heading back to Southern California. <laughs> um, yeah, on a Sunday night. It was pretty crazy. It just looked like a massive parking lot headed back to California. So, uh The good thing about uh, taking a bus to Las Vegas is that it drops you right, uh, well, downtown. I don't know exactly what they're going to do in the near future because I know the current Greyhound bus terminal that is right next to, and has been right next to the Plaza Hotel for many years, uh, is closing. Um, But that is where they dropped us. Um, And fortunately for me, I had managed to uh, book a room at the plaza. So, um, back in those days, the plaza was, uh, eh, and probably continued to be for the next uh, 10, 12 years until they closed it down for remodeling, a place of uh, mostly known for an interesting smell. And there's a number of 
places in Las Vegas that are sort of infamous for a smell, which I think has something to do with the sewer system in town. And yeah, well, I always considered that the smell of money. Although I can't say that I won any money during my stay at the plaza, but I will say that it was cheap. I think I paid $20, $25 a night, and that was before there were resort fees, so it was literally $20, $25 a night plus tax, I guess. Uh, while um, there was an internet back in 1997, and I was an early adopter This was still back when you pretty much had to phone the hotel to make a reservation. And it was also back during a time when a fairly prominent newspaper figured very much into Vegas tips and tricks, you might say. And that was the Los Angeles Times. And if you could get yourself a hold of the LA Times on Sunday and uh, check out the travel section, there were usually at least a double page fold out, sometimes three or four pages, uh, that talked about things going on locally or nearby. One of those was Las Vegas. And typically, a number of Las Vegas hotels would advertise in the L.A. Times, and they would have special rates. Uh, Typically, those rates were Sunday through Thursday. But some of them, you know, would have uh, an alternate uh, higher price listed for the weekend as well. But these were typically better prices than you would get simply by calling the hotel directly and... um, So, uh, you know, that was kind of an ongoing tip that people passed around the internet. And there was even a, I think, a website where someone would post the LA Times weekly Las Vegas hotel deals. And I took advantage of that on several occasions uh, during my early trips. And this was the first of those occasions. Um, and there was, again, there was a rate listed for the plaza for, like I said, I can't remember if it was 20 or 20. I feel like it was $20 a night. And that was pretty much what the room was worth. Um, it was old and a little rough around the edges. I mean, it was clean enough. Um, and, and the plaza was, was definitely a cheap place to play. They had like nickel video poker, full pay nickel video poker. I don't think it, it wasn't this particular trip, but I know one time I stayed there and was playing, you know, nickel VP, jacks are better, I'm sure, at the time, and hit back-to-back four-of-a-kinds. So for those of you scoring at home uh, on consecutive uh, plays, I won $6.25. But uh, the plaza was the kind of place where you could stay, and all of downtown was the kind of place where you could stay and probably survive on $6.25 a day if you wanted to. There were a number of uh, sort of late night specials uh, available downtown. The most famous of which was probably the steak special downstairs at Binion's Horseshoe, which I think uh, was either like a dollar ninety nine or two ninety nine or something. And usually it spawned quite a line. I did check it out one night. Uh, the steak was 
okay. I mean, it was a dollar ninety nine. Um, I don't think the potatoes were actually cooked, at least not fully. But, uh, you know, that, that was a heck of a deal. But the plaza had a deal, which I enjoyed uh, probably more at overnight hours. It was 99 cents for bacon and eggs. You could add a cup of coffee for another 99 cents, basically. So for $2 and change or $2 and tip, you might as well say. You could get yourself a nice uh, sort of early breakfast or late dinner. And it didn't cost much of anything. Uh, and of course, at this time, you could also go over to the Golden Gate and uh, check out the uh, shrimp cocktail, which was like 90, which it was, it was 99 cents at that time. And again, it, it, all over downtown, you had these kinds of prices. So uh, it was definitely a cheap place to stay. And uh, the one thing that I didn't really figure into my cost, I guess, was the fact that ultimately I was going to end up going to the Strip most days. And I know at least one day I walked it um, for the first time, I guess, uh, walking from downtown to the Strip. Um, And I'm sure there was at least one day that I walked back. And I've often said that it's not really a particularly frightening walk, uh, nor do I think generally a particularly dangerous one, as long as you stay on Las Vegas Boulevard. I do notice of late, if people are listening to this and thinking about doing this, that there is a just a ton of road construction along Las Vegas Boulevard in that sort of cross-town area between the Strat and uh, Fremont Street. So I don't know the condition of the sidewalks there, and I don't know, therefore, how uh, how pleasing that walk would be. Um, certainly, you do encounter a few characters along the way, and I'm sure I did at that time. Uh, but I was younger and stupider and didn't care anyway, I guess. Um, so, but, but that got to be a long walk, and even in May, Las Vegas is pretty hot. I mean, it's pretty May in Las Vegas is pretty much like summer anywhere else. And so uh, those those days got to be rather long days when you take a hike all the way. Uh, ultimately, I, I'm pretty sure that one day I probably started my day at the plaza and ended it at Mandalay Bay if it was open. I think it might have been. I'd have to look to look at what the opening day to Mandalay Bay was. But if not, I'm sure I made it all the way to Luxor. Um, I did not walk all the way back, though. I also remember several sort of interesting bus rides uh, late at night back to Fremont Street. Somewhere, there is a little notebook. Uh, when I say little notebook, I mean it's probably one of those little like flip pad things that you would just sort of write a grocery list or something on. They still make them, I guess. Because I know I took a lot of notes. The train ride itself uh, lent itself to a kind of diary. And one day, I I can't believe I would have thrown that out. So somewhere along with my photographs from the very first trip is probably this little notebook with uh, my thoughts along the way. And yeah, I definitely rode back to Fremont Street with some characters uh, on a few occasions. Uh, before my midnight steak and eggs, or not steak and eggs, bacon and eggs. Of course, there were steak and egg specials almost everywhere you went, even some places on the Strip. You know, for 4 or $5, you could get steak and eggs. Um, so 
I probably did that at some point. I'm sure somewhere along the way, I probably stopped at the Sahara Buffet, which was for a couple of years kind of my standard way to get filled up uh, for practically nothing. And I think the prices were like $3 for breakfast, $4 for lunch, $5 for dinner, and worth every penny of it, I might add. But as I recall, they had decent fried chicken, so you could fill up on that. You know, mashed potatoes and gravy, which were edible, and they even had pizza. And again, it was edible. It was kind of, you know, and, and so, you know, that was more food than I probably would have normally eaten. So for four or five bucks, you know, I've got my main meal of the day taken care of. And then, uh, you know, in the middle of the night, we grab some bacon and eggs or something. Um, but yeah, I traveled quite a bit around on this particular trip. Um, and I gambled, uh, you know, I, I'm sure this trip was the first time I went up in the stratosphere because it would have just opened recently. Um, I did play some video poker, uh, there at the time they advertised as having, you know, really excellent paying video poker machines. Uh, more on that, uh, with the following trip, I guess. But uh, I, I did learn probably, and I, I didn't uh, repeat, I won't call it a mistake, but I didn't repeat it for a number of years, that probably staying downtown was not really a great idea. And so I uh, I would not return to downtown for a number of years, at least as a place to stay. In any case, uh, I guess my return back to Kansas was uh, not particularly notable. Uh, and I didn't have to go to Bakersfield on my way back to L.A., so that was a bonus. Um, yeah, so there you go. And that wraps up our trip from uh, May of 1997. So let's move on today to the third Vegas trip, which took place in February of the following year. I'm not really sure what prompted me to go in February, as you'll discover as we make our way through these trips, almost all of my early visits to Vegas were in the spring, around March or April or maybe May. Um, and a big reason for that was my work situation, because typically uh, the fall is not a, normally a really good time back to school and uh, the holidays make it more difficult to schedule time off. And then um, usually sometime during the first part of the year uh, in the retail world, uh, at least in the past, we have had an inventory. And again, the, the weeks leading up to an inventory, for anybody that's worked in retail can tell you that that's not a time that... Uh, Typically, uh, supervisors are in the mood to grant time off requests. So my trips would typically take place sometime after our inventory had concluded. But for whatever reason, maybe because uh, I was able to get a really good deal uh, or something. But uh, this year I would go during February. And there aren't very many trips I've gone in February although there are a number in January, it was chilly. I do remember that very distinctly. It was chilly uh, and windy. 
And uh, on this particular occasion, I stayed for the first time, but not the last time, at the Sahara Hotel and Casino. And this was another one of those uh, visits that um, I had booked after seeing a room rate in the LA Times. And I think, again, it was probably like $25. Uh, And again, I was there for five nights. And again, it was Sunday through Thursday, because that uh, is typically almost always going to be the cheapest time to visit Las Vegas, uh, as opposed to the weekend, even though flights may not always be so simple. Uh, this uh, particular trip, I took a flight again. I think it was probably America West again, but it could have been Southwest. I'm not 100% certain. This was much more of a conventional flight. It was not a sort of late night, uh, red eye sort of thing. I do remember I arrived uh, fairly late in the evening, I think, um, made my way to the Sahara. Um, I obviously had played a little bit at the Sahara before, and I had uh, tried out the uh, delicious buffet. <laughs> um, but the Sahara, in many ways, was a lot like the plaza. I didn't actually find myself spending a whole lot of time there. Uh, the North Strip at that time was... Uh, significantly more crowded in terms of casinos. And I did play quite a bit at the Stratosphere. I played a fair amount at the Riviera. I played a fair amount at the Stardust. Um, I remember I placed my first Las Vegas sports wager at the sports book at the Stardust, which is one, it was one of the nicest sports books anywhere in Las Vegas. Uh, certainly rivaled uh, the Las Vegas Hilton, now Westgate, as one of the biggest and most prominent. Uh, the Stardust, typically, uh, you would hear uh, lines on particular games quoted as having been uh, um, posted at the Stardust. So, um, yeah, I think I, I bet on a Kansas basketball game, and I bet on them not to cover And surprisingly enough, not only did they win the game, but they won it by a small enough margin that I also won my bet. I don't remember being very successful gambling-wise on this trip otherwise, but I did play quite a bit. Uh, I played a lot of the sort of Game King Blackjack game, which is anybody who's played it knows is a really bad game because you don't get any sort of bonus for an actual blackjack. It just pays even money. So it's even worse than uh, sitting at a table and playing six to five blackjack. The advantage, of course, is that you can play for like a quarter or a hand. In fact, if you find the right casino, you could play for like a nickel a hand. And so you could sit and uh, churn away at a machine for a long time. And uh, I certainly did that uh, over the course of uh, uh, the, that year, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it next week, but uh, I did actually make a return trip to Las Vegas in 1998 and uh, uh, actually found myself a number of nickel Game King machines, which I uh, came along to enjoy because of that. Um, yeah, I, I, so I took a lot of walks uh, from the Sahara down to more of the center part of the Strip and the north the center part of the Strip. Um, and probably explored more uh, on this particular trip than I had on any other trip 
up to that point because, again, not being downtown, being a little bit closer to the action, um, I had more access to the strip casinos. Uh, like I said, there there was, and I don't know if I actually said this, but I'm saying it now, uh, there was nothing particularly distinctive about this trip. I do remember that it was the week prior to the very first NASCAR race uh, that was uh, going to be held in Las Vegas. They had just built the Speedway, I think, a year or two before that, and they got a NASCAR race, and it was that uh, weekend after I left town, so... The last couple of days, you had a lot of uh, racing fans making their way into town. And I know I saw encountered a number of them actually staying at the Sahara. And I think that was before they had the uh, NASCAR cafe place there. But I could be wrong. Uh, but uh, again, uh, I know that was something that was happening in Las Vegas. And I, again, can't exactly recall which hotels had opened or uh, were in the process of being built uh, during that particular trip. But those early trips were distinctive uh, from a lot of later trips in that there was almost always new hotels that opened up. The mid to late 70s saw... um, the Stratosphere, the Monte Carlo, New York, New York, uh, Bellagio, Paris, uh, Venetian, Mandalay Bay. Um, eventually, Wynn, and uh, um, trying to think, uh, the new Aladdin, which of course later became Planet Hollywood. So there was a period of about 10 years or so there where it seemed like every visit to Las Vegas involved seeing uh, or visiting a casino that you'd never been to before. And this was still early enough in my Vegas visits that I was pretty much dazzled by everything I saw. Um, And I should have probably gone back and looked to see uh, what hotels would have opened between uh, the spring of 97 and the uh, winter of 98. But uh, uh, if it was a new property, I'm sure I checked it out. And if it was a property that was had, had opened up the previous year, I'm also sure that I checked it out again. Uh, I, I think at that point, uh, I know the Bellagio opened up in 98 and uh, a number of these properties were in the years to come, but... Um, uh, yeah, and I think uh, that this particular trip points out something about a lot of my Vegas trips, and we'll see that more over the coming weeks. That is, there isn't necessarily a lot of distinctive memories that I have of uh, of those visits. I do remember uh, this particular trip, spending a lot of time at the Riviera, and for some reason thinking it was a really cool property. Um, I, I don't know why exactly, but I did. And, uh, yeah, so uh, they, they had a, a nice little lounge there at the time where there was a sort of nightly music and you could just kind of hang out and it was pretty cool. And I remember the drink service was pretty good and it was still kind of a happening place. And I think that was even before they had the nickel town, uh, place, uh, that they, they built on there. But, uh. Yeah, I was really quite fond of the Riviera and, in fact, uh, uh, would end up staying there several times over the next decade or so. And even staying there comped 
but that uh, is for a later show, I guess. So anyway, so we'll uh, wrap up uh, this week's episode of Vegas Memories. Um, and uh, if you're enjoying our program, hope that you'll consider uh, uh, subscribing where you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, and joining us again uh, probably next week, if time permits. And uh, I will continue to work my way through what Vegas memories I still have left. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I trying to think, speaking of things I had left, trying to think, I, I probably had kind of switched over to beer by this point as my normal go-to uh, drink at the casinos Uh yeah, pretty sure I was on the Budweiser by this trip. It always seemed like a, a pretty safe uh, bet that any casino was going to have that. Um, but yeah, and I was no longer on the on the table games. Uh, by the uh, second and third trips, I had switched over to the video blackjack and, like I said, occasionally some slots or VP, but... Uh, so next uh, week, we will see my longest trip to Las Vegas, uh, one of my hottest trips to Las Vegas, and a trip that, for the first time, included complimentary rooms, and uh, what I did to get those rooms, I guess. And uh, so I hope that you'll join us for that uh, on the next episode of Vegas Tips and Tricks as we continue sort of trip down memory lane. I'm having a good time with it. I hope you are too. Till then, uh, hope you have a great, lucky, and healthy week. Talk to you again real soon. Bye-bye.